everyone to this edition of Popular Technology Radio. Very, very, very glad to have you with us today. We are talking about a bunch of cool stuff. And who better to talk with than my good friend Jeff Morrison. He's, of course, a freelance tech and travel writer for CNET and the New York Times. Jeff, it just feels like it's been a long time since we chatted. So super happy to have you here. Uh, great to be here. We're talking so many things today. We, we got a lot to catch up on, but I wanted to... Uh, you know, I wanted to first talk about the streaming wars since we've last talked. I think we, we might have mentioned this stuff was coming up, but suddenly it is here. If you're a cord cutter, as I think we many of us are, we've got Disney Plus, we've got Apple Plus, we've got HBO Max and NBC Universal's Peacock coming around the bend. Not all those are ready right now, but they are coming uh, just just to set the table, what do you pay for subscription-wise these days for your home entertainment? Uh, well, I pay for Netflix, but that's mostly uh, for my parents. I, they, they, they're on my account, and <laughs> um, so they, and I, I still watch it, but my one of my roommates has it in the house, so it's like I don't really need it, but I was like, nah, that's my gift for my parents. They can have my Netflix account. Nice. And then I've been paying for HBO for a long time. Mm-hmm. And because uh, they've always had, you know, well, you know, Game of Thrones and stuff, they have such good content. And I pay for Hulu, which is okay. mostly because I am a cord cutter. I gave up cable years ago, so that combination gets me everything that I would need to watch. I only need to purchase maybe one or two shows that's not through those services. So, like, I buy Deadliest Catch and Billions, which is Discovery and Showtime. I don't subscribe to those, so I'll just buy that one show because that's the one show I watch. You live in the greater Los Angeles area, so I assume you have some um, free over-the-air network television available to you. Do you have an antenna? And you- <laughs> uh, so technically, yes, and that is true. Um, and that is a great thing that everyone should try to get because it's free. It's usually the best-looking HD you can get, um, well, depending on the network. But, but generally speaking, it's, it's really good quality television. Um, the irony is I have a 4K projector as my main TV, and for some cost-cutting measure or whatever, Sony decided not to put a deinterlacer into that television, into that projector. So I can't feed 1080i into the projector, which normally wouldn't be a problem unless you're trying to send it from a cheap TV tuner <laughs> into uh, the projector. I, I And I'm... For some reason, the the receiver won't deinterlace it, so I can't get 1080i content into the oh, projector. Okay, so you so you you could get it if you had the proper gear in your house. In theory, I have all of the pieces needed except for the display. Okay. So if I hook up a cheap projector, which I also have, if I hook up a $500 or $1,000 projector, that'll work fine. I could watch any 1080i, any over-the-air content I want because I have the antenna and the tuner and all of that. But my actual projector... That does 4K and all of a sudden, nope. <laughs> okay, just, but but you know you didn't mention in in that litany of things that you are subscribing to and do um, Amazon. I'm going to guess you probably have Amazon. Mm, yep, sorry, you're right, you're right. In fact, I just watched the whole second season of Jack Ryan, which was pretty oh, fun. Okay, all right. So so you've got quite a bit now. Upcoming, we have uh, Apple TV is now on the air. Um, I think waiting in the wing. I think uh, HBO Max is not out yet. Nor is yeah, I think the that's the spring. Thing. Yeah, right. So I mean, and are, I did look this up. So if you're paying for HBO now, 
in any way. So I pay for it just kind of off the shelf. I pay 15 bucks a month for it. That you can keep doing that, which I don't know why you would want to, but you can roll that over into an HBO Max subscription. It's the same money. You'll just get a lot more of the, the content. And then, and then 15 bucks a month, I think. Right. right. And then I, I think I was reading, I didn't read too far into this because I don't, doesn't apply to me, but if you subscribe to HBO through your cable provider, I think that might get you access I to think, HBO Max. I believe that is correct as well, I believe, which I don't do. Um, but I think that, but I'm not, it, what's, um, what's a little unclear to me is why do I care about upgrading to that? Well, that is a good question. So there's a number of shows that are going to be available through HBO Max streaming that are not available in other streaming services. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so they're gonna they're gonna basically keep some stuff, so to right. speak. I think Friends was one of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, well, uh, Rick and Morty's gonna I think be on there. So and the other one that's actually kind of interesting is um, all of Hayao Miyazaki's films will be available on there for the first time. There's they're not available on streaming anywhere, and then you'll be able to do it on HBO Max, which is kind of okay. cool. Well, that's cool. This is all the things that they've mentioned anyway. <laughs> It's so overwhelming. I mean, you know, I guess what, you know, the question that I always ask is, what is the pain point? But on that, we got to take a break because when we come back, we'll talk about what is the pain point. I'm kind of at my pain point right now. I, I, I will either take something away before I add it. So well, I do have thoughts on that. Okay. So. I suspect you do. And we will get to those thoughts when we come back. You are listening to Pop Deck Radio. Stay right here. Cancer is the number one cause of death by disease for children in the U.S. today. Since the Austin Hatcher Foundation's birth in 2006, it has grown to provide unique programs to help the children and the families affected by pediatric cancer. Support begins at the time of diagnosis and continues throughout survivorship at no cost to families. Lives touched by the foundation continue to rise each day. But we need your help. Donate, volunteer, or partner with the Austin Hatcher Foundation. Learn how you can get involved. Visit HatcherFoundation.org for more information. Hey, welcome back. Pop Tech Radio. Mike Etchart here with Jeff Morrison. Of course, he is freelance tech and travel writer over at the New York Times and CNET. And we are talking about the pain point in terms of streaming services, subscriptions, etc. Are you uh, a Netflix, Amazon, Apple TV Plus is out. HBO Max is coming. Peacock, the NBC Universal thing is coming. There's also, of course, Amazon Prime, which I have. PlayStation View, Sling TV, any number of things, Hulu. What's the magic number? My magic number is three, Jeff. What is your magic number? <laughs> you had mentioned I'd forgotten that I also subscribed to Amazon, but that kind of rolls in with that's Prime, so I get the cheaper shipping and yada, yeah. yada, yada. So and I don't. That's kind of an anomaly. I mean, that's that, that yeah. moves off to the side, although right. I'm a big fan of Bosch, which is a, a long running mm -hmm. series of the Michael Connolly books. I love that. Um, but I, mean, I, I kind of glance at Amazon. But yeah, well, the big the big Amazon show for me, which hasn't actually come out yet, but it'll be out, I think, in another couple of months, is The Expanse, which is kind of the best yeah. sci-fi show on TV. And no one watches it. So please go watch The Expanse so they'll do another season because it is amazing. But I was thinking about it, like this whole streaming thing. I mean, this is what we've always wanted, right? We've Perfect. always wanted all the current programming. Well, we're getting it. We're just getting it in a different way, yeah. and it's more expensive than we all kind of had hoped. But the end result, of course, is if people still want to get all of their stuff but don't pay for cable, it's going to be the same amount of money, if not more, because you're going to subscribe to 
10 things. I honestly don't think anyone's going to do that. I think people are going to go, okay, well, yes, I'm going to miss out on this one show, but I don't feel like spending X amount of money per month for that show. Like, you know, CBS is a good example where they've got the new Star Trek shows mm-hmm. and Discovery was excellent. And, and I'm assuming the next season will be even better. But I'm not going to subscribe to CBS for a year just for that one show. Although Picard's coming out, and I'm more looking yes. forward to Picard more than any show in my entire life. So, so I'll definitely give him money for that. Yes, that, that looks really good. Absolutely. But, you know, what's interesting, as we are both sitting here talking about what we have, we both forget what we have. And the tentacles of these, of these companies that are into our checking accounts, um, you know, they love this kind of model where they get money every month whether we watch one minute of programming or whether we watch a hundred hours of programming they still get that little slice of cash coming out of our accounts and it's so easy to forget you know? <laughs> well it is and that's what they're hoping you do yeah um, i mean i did the calculation on disney plus and i got in on that special deal that was going for a little while so i'm going to be paying three something less than four dollars a month for disney plus for a couple years okay and i calculated that out and that's less than i pay to disney that i've paid to disney for the last few years because there was always a couple movies that i would buy on voodoo or something and want to watch them in 4k and so i would spend 60 80 dollars a year well now i'm going to be spending let's say 40 something so they're getting less money from me and i'm getting more content now Eventually, they're going to jack up the price. So, but that's yeah. a special deal, right? Because I think it's going to be regularly seven dollars a month. Uh, er, right, or, right. Which for me that. personally would still be Decent. kind of a break-even thing. Yeah, right, right, right. And Apple TV uh, Plus currently is five dollars a month. Although that's again a little different thing. So, so I guess this back to the question: is is three the magic number? Is that is ultimately people will have up to three, and then then it becomes a real decision. In, in, I think yeah. you're right. I think because I think most people would be able to look at three to three of these things, whatever their personal com- you know combination is, and go, okay, well, I know I'm going to watch these three every month, whatever that might be. That's going to get them ninety percent of their what they're going to watch. Does everyone need to go for a fourth or a fifth or a sixth? I, I doubt it. I doubt people are really you know going to be doing that. And are those the same for everybody? Is everyone going to look at the peacock and go? Why am I spending money on that? That doesn't make any sense. So my guess is like we're kind of in this. This is the gold rush, right? <laughs> everyone's trying. Everyone's trying to get the money for 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 this. See how it all shakes out. Oh well, they're doing it. Okay, well we need to do it too. But I'm positive that in a couple of years, some of these companies are going to go. Okay, well this isn't making any sense for us. We are making more money selling this to to Netflix or whatever. Sure. And Let's- these these things will will fold away and we'll get down to a a more manageable amount of these things. But but yeah, for right now, it is kind of crazy. Of, okay, you want to watch this one show? That'll be 10 bucks a month. Right. And when we say three, it's three with, with an asterisk by it. Because uh, currently, I'm three in my household. I'm Netflix, HBO, and Hulu. But I have Amazon. It's a little bit different than all the other ones. So because yeah, I was paying for Amazon, and I would continue to pay for Amazon without the TV part. If they spun off the TV part, I probably wouldn't pay for it. What is your pain point? That is the question. On that note, let's take a quick break. We're talking about all these choice options. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk about what you're watching it on because there's some new TV technology that Jeff is going to share with us as well. More like that when we come back. It is Pop Tech Radio. 
During the Dodge Black Friday sales event, our gift to you is Dodge Power Dollars. That means $10 cash allowance per horsepower towards your purchase of a 2019 Dodge Charger or Challenger. Whether you're tearing up the streets in a Dodge Challenger with its available 797 horsepower or Dodge Charger with its available 485 horsepower, you'll be ready to take on winter weather. So hurry in to the Dodge Black Friday sales event today to take advantage of Dodge Power Dollars on Challenger and Charger. See dealer for details. Offer not available on vehicle leases. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 12 Hey, welcome back. You're listening to Pop Tech Radio. Mike Etchart, my good friend Jeff Morrison, is joining us. He, of course, is a tech and travel writer for CNET and the New York Times, and he keeps his finger on the pulse of all of this stuff that is happening. We're going to talk a little bit about TV technology. We're heading into CES, Consumer Electronics Show kind of window, when we all start to make our plans to head out to Las Vegas to see the latest and the greatest. But I will tell you, Jeff, you know, I was at Costco the other day, and we've had versions of this conversation before. But again, when I go to Costco, I cannot not walk down the TV aisle just to see how much stuff is and what's going on. And So I'm walking down the aisle, and there is a TCL 55-inch television, 4K UHD with Roku built in, $289 for a 55-inch <laughs> television. It's unbelievable how inexpensive... A 55-inch television, for crying out loud, is less than $300. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You mentioned CES, and, I, and just this week I was booking my – or trying to book a hotel for CES. And, All right. Uh, the cheapest hotel room I could find was more than that per night. That's right. <laughs> so <laughs> You could have taken uh, home 55-inch TCL TVs. And, and just a, a non-tech-related rant moment, um, the prices for hotels on any booking website in Las Vegas has no relation to what you'll actually spend on the hotel. Because it says something like, oh, $170 a night. And then you click through and you click through and you're ready to purchase it. And you go, oh, okay, well, plus taxes, which is, yeah. okay, fine, that's normal. And then, oh, there's a resort fee. Yeah. So those resort fees could be upwards of $100 a night. So there's completely like so that $170 a night is actually going to be more like one in my case it was 240, I think. It's like I, I can't afford that. That's insane. So, I don't know. Just that was <laughs> well. That damn it, CES. <laughs> That's right. And, and damn you Las Vegas, exactly. So $289 for a 55-inch TV set, which is stunning. Yeah. And TCL is a good brand and it's got Roku built in. It's TCL is, I think, a company that most people haven't really heard of. They're a fairly new Chinese brand. And I remember when they first started kind of making waves at CES a few years ago, and their product demonstrations and they're talking with them. I was like, I could tell, like, these guys kind of knew what they were doing. Yes. And their first few years were, kind of, you know, their TVs were fine. There wasn't anything, you know, over-the-top special about them. But they were clearly like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to make a run at this. And we're not just making cheap stuff for cheap stuff's sake. And sure enough, every year they would get better. And this year, they're actually coming out with a new technology that they're the first to market with this next generation TV tech, which is, I think, we'll talk about. Um, and it's in their top of the line 8 series. And um, it's called Mini LED. And I'm sure we're going to hear more about it from other manufacturers, but TCL is kind of the first to hit the market with it. 
So uh, the TV that I was talking about, the $289 55-inch TV, whatever that model is, mm. that is an LCD television. Yes. So all TVs except for a handful are LCD TVs, and they create light using LEDs. Uh, the exception to this would be uh, certain types of LG and Sony TVs, which are OLED, but we'll kind of skip that for now. So all the but, other TVs are LCDs. Right. So the LCDs, for the lack of a better phrase, should be up there on the bottom. That is time-tested technology. It's been around for a long time. Yeah. OLEDs are probably the best picture you can buy currently, but yeah. it hasn't really taken off like we, we thought it potentially could be. Well, it, it is and it isn't. I mean, uh, we can yeah, let's dive into that for a second because okay, okay. it is um, taking off in that LG, who's the only company that makes OLED TVs, and they sell their panel technology to Sony and a couple other companies for them to brand as their own. So, but they keep expanding what they're doing, and they're making more and more panels every year. So it's successful for them, which is good. Which means we're going to keep getting OLED for a while. The trick is LG has certain patents and a certain method of how they make OLED TVs that allows them to do it fairly cheaply that other companies can't match. So Samsung tried to make OLED TVs for a few years in a different way, and they couldn't make it cost-effective. It was just too expensive, so they stopped. There's rumors that they're going to start doing it again in a slightly different way. We can That's a whole other tangent we can go off on some other <laughs> segment. Um, but for now, yes, so LCDs are... Time-tested, they've gotten pretty good. They're certainly better than they used to be. But for the best picture quality, that's OLED. But that's but in, also more expensive. I think, of course. But in steps mini-LED into this milieu. And that right. is... So that in is, theory, and from what I've seen and from what a few of the other TV reviewers I trust have seen, it's kind of a step between. So it, it's better than a lot of regular, in quotes, LCDs, but not quite as good as OLED. And it's brighter than OLED, but not quite the contrast ratio and picture quality of OLED, but close, and okay. it's cheaper. But is Mini LD in the marketplace yet? Is are those eight yes. series? That so they just probably entered a couple of months ago. I'm going to guess. Or, or yeah, it's pretty new. Pretty new. Yeah. They have a 75 inch for three thousand and a 65 inch for two thousand, which again was cheaper than than OLED by by a bit. Right, um, but is 55 inch now kind of? The bottom of the heap for these premium televisions, or you know, technology-wise, or I think you could still find. There's not going to be at the moment. There's no mini LED in that size, and we'll get to why that is in a minute. But for now, yes, you can still get some really good-looking 55-inch TVs. You're not really going to be able to find anything smaller than say 50 inches. That's mm -hmm. a high-quality TV anymore. It's just the, the numbers don't make any sense. The, those are much less expensive and. Which is fine, just not for the top picture quality. Well, but even that in itself to me is so interesting. On that note, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back with Jeff Morrison talking about TVs and the latest technology on Pop Tech Radio. Brembo has been stopping champions on the track as well as drivers like you and me on the street for over 50 years. Whether it's UV-coated brake discs, low-dust premium ceramic brake pads, or high-temperature brake fluid, BremboStoreUSA.com is the place to go to buy genuine Brembo OE-equivalent replacement brake components. Go to BremboStoreUSA.com to help you achieve that 60-0 braking performance you deserve and expect from Brembo. Brembo, the choice of champions and consumers for over 50 years. 
Hey, welcome back, everybody. Pop Tech Radio, Mike Etchart, tech and travel writer Jeff Morrison for CNET and the New York Times. And joining me, we are talking about televisions and the little dinky, dinky, tiny 50-inch TV sets. We're talking mini LEDs and that as they enter the marketplace with TCL. So mini LED is not anything. TCL just happens to be first to market. It's not, it's not a patent or anything like that. This is something Correct. that they're all going to have likely at CES in, in January. We'll probably yeah we'll probably see more of this technology. So what a mini LED is? Every LCD on the market now uses LEDs to create light, and then they use a liquid crystal layer to kind of manipulate that light to create an image. With the cheapest TVs, those LEDs are in a in a row, maybe on the bottom or on the sides of the TV, and then with the higher end models, especially most like any good HDR capable t- TV. It's all along the back of the television kind of facing you. And they have a a thing called local dimming where those groups of those LEDs can be dimmed to correspond to darker parts of the image on the screen. So like a night sky with the big moon on it. Well, the LEDs behind the moon are going to be lit up and then the night sky around it will be dimmed. So you have the kind of a better contrast ratio between the brightest and the darkest parts of that image pretty complex uh, when you think about it just in terms of the technology you know it's like yeah that- i mean it's trying to make lcd look okay when it kind of inherently doesn't <laughs> um it's always been kind of amusing to me but they are i mean it, they're making it work it's still not as good as like oled which every pixel can be as bright and as dark as you want so those tvs even the top of the line led lcds and, uh, and just to say the all LED TVs are LCDs, just to throw that in there. So we haven't gotten the acronyms confused yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So well, when you go into a store, you're going to see all of these things written down somewhere. So those zones, so the LEDs are grouped into zones. And generally speaking, most TVs have maybe a few hundred zones, maybe a few hundred or maybe a few thousand LEDs uh, along the back of the TV. But never, definitely not more than that. So just to give you an idea, like the next step down TCL, this, their 6 Series, has hundred around 100 zones. They don't say how many LEDs, but it's about 100 zones. So you can figure a few hundred LEDs mm-hmm. back of the TV. It's never one-to-one. So mini-LED, as the name kind of implies, uses much smaller LEDs and a lot more of them. So in the case of the 75-inch 8 series from TCL, they have 25,000 LEDs on the back of the television. And those are grouped into over 1,000 different zones. So that's significantly higher. That's that's remarkable. Yeah, than any any other TV out there. And so that gives you much greater control over what areas of the image can be dark and what areas of the image can be be bright. Um, Not on a per-pixel level, like you can do with OLED, but certainly much closer than you could with any other, you know, LCD TV. Right. So the picture so, quality would be, in theory, picture quality is a step up over other LCDs, but not quite to the point where it's OLED. On the other hand, it's going to be a lot brighter than OLED, which in certain situations is is good. So more zones and more, but smaller LEDs, a lot more control basically, in terms right. of of brightness and and. Yeah, all that stuff. You know, with with a standard LED 
system in an, in a TV, you have a few hundred of these things. But then with this, you have they're smaller. They're each one of them is not necessarily as bright. I'm actually not sure about that. They haven't talked about that, but I'm assuming they're not necessarily as bright. But there's a lot more of them, so the overall effect is that they're a lot brighter. Now, if we look down the road, you know, is this again from a manufacturing standpoint, is this pretty easy to do for them? And certainly now it will be a premium product. But does this kind of just kind of keep getting manufacturing-wise cheaper and cheaper and cheaper? And then eventually every TV will just have mini LEDs as opposed to the LCDs? Or, or will it maybe never get to that point? It's pretty likely this will trickle down into you know, other lower-end models as this gets cheaper and as the picture quality of those mid-range TVs kind of increases. It's cheaper to do this than it is to figure out OLED, that's for sure. As good as it is, it's still a transitional technology towards something else in the future. In that case, it might might be micro-LED, which we can talk okay. about um, as well, which is it's a, it's a similar name, but actually a completely different technology. Okay, that's really confusing. So we currently in the market have mini LEDs, right? In more zones and and more more LEDs, but then now there's micro LED. Nothing's that's those aren't out yet, right? Uh, they've been shown at several CESs. Um, they're generally kind of for wall-sized displays. In fact, Samsung's version of the technology, they literally call the wall. And (laughs) and so it's like projection screen sized. And it's micro, so it's actually smaller than mini. These are um, tiny, tiny, tiny little LEDs. And that's each LED in this case is its own pixel. And so that's the big difference between this and mini LED. Is that mini LED, each LED kind of is is in charge of in other without a, on any other way of saying it a few hundred maybe a few thousand pixels yeah whereas with micro led each led is a pixel so it, that makes sense on a huge wall size display because well those you have enough space in between to kind of put all you know in a 4k tv that's eight million pixels yeah so shrinking that down, managing the heat, managing the power consumption. Um, these are all things that they're working on. Uh, but in theory, you could have a, a large TV with each pixel being an LED, and that if they're small enough. And, so that's enter micro LED. Right. And that's kind of the, the next step where people are hoping to go because that gets rid of L- liquid crystal completely. We can finally put that to rest. And the picture quality would be even better than OLED in theory because you could have the same brightness control as you would with OLED but each pixel could be brighter than you can get with OLED. Hold that yeah. thought. We're going to take a break. we got more when we come back. You're listening to Pop Tech Radio. Kia doesn't have to be the oldest SUV maker around because what they lack in the cautious restraint of age they make up for with the gravel-pounding ambition of youth. Telluride, Sportage, and Sorento SX. Part of the tough-and-ready lineup of SUVs from Kia, with fully active all-wheel drive, torque-vectoring corner control, and forward collision warning. Kia, give it everything. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Forward collision warning is not a substitute for safe driving and may not detect all objects surrounding the vehicle. Always drive safely and use caution.
And we are back, Pop Tech Radio. We being me, Mike Etchart, and he, Jeff Morrison. He, of course, is a te- uh, travel and tech writer for CNET and the New York Times. We're only picking his brain on tech today. We're talking TVs. If you have your acronym decoder ring, set it to the following. There is LCD. There is LED LCD. That's another line. They, we were talking about mini LED. <laughs> I have to think about it. (laughs) And then we're also talking about micro LEDs. And then, of course, at the top of the heap is OLED or OLED. Let's review. LCDs. Pretty much every TV on the market today is an LCD. They don't market them as that anymore, but that's the technology. It's liquid crystal display. The light is created in those TVs by LEDs. Okay. because LED is a newer... Thing that sounds cooler than LCD, which is just an older technology, nearly every company calls their TV some version of LED. So I think Samsung has QLED. I think TCL also calls theirs QLED. Um, and that actually has to do with the color, how they create color. But the point is, is that it's still an LCD. So anytime you hear someone say, oh, I have an LED TV, well, it's really an LCD TV. All, and all LCD TVs are powered by LEDs now because okay. what they used to be powered by, which was fluorescence, they had mercury in them. Can't do that anymore. Though they're terrible for the environment and they looked terrible. The exception to that is OLED. And OLED is made by LG and LG sells that to other companies. In the U.S., it's basically just Sony. And outside the U.S., there's a couple other companies like Philips and Panasonic and so forth. But basically, LG is the only one who could figure out how to make OLED cheap enough to manufacture in big numbers and they have they have some sort of patents on something that that yeah give them and i could it. describe i could go i could do a 15 minute segment on how oh, they do so. that but we'll, we'll skip that you can just google cnet and oled and my article comes up and you can read about how it's really clever how they do it but you need visuals to explain it so there you yeah we'll skip that. Right. Okay. Uh, visuals are great for the radio so okay so then the new the new things that are coming out now is mini led which is still lcd Mm-hmm. But has a lot more LEDs in them, and it's potentially picture quality similar to OLED, uh, close to OLED, but cheaper, uh, but more expensive than a traditional LCD, LCD or LED LCD. Sure. So it's kind of somewhere in you know bridging that that gap. And then the next generation, which is not going to come into the home anytime soon, maybe in a couple of years, is micro LED, where the LEDs are even smaller and each pixel is its own LED. Sony showed this off for a few years at CES. Samsung has a version of this technology. And right now it's being used for wall-sized you know, or bigger, mm-hmm. you know, projection screen-sized images. But eventually you could shrink it down once they figure out a few things. So that's kind of the that's short... The- So if you go into a store, you're going to see LED LCDs, OLED, and maybe in a few places you'll find a TCL 8 series, which is this uh, mini LED. That's the only thing you can find in the store now. That's not so bad now, is it? Yeah, a lot easier. I think we've talked about this in the past. I happen to have a pretty small living room, and I don't really need – I mean, 55-inch in my living room is pretty ginormous. It it takes up a lot of space. yeah, but boy, we're really get separate from projectors. What's the top end of the screen market? Is it eighty-five now? I mean, you're seeing a lot of seventy-fives, a ton of sixty-fives. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because I've always said that 
huge screen sizes were never going to take off the way that the smaller ones would. And I say that as someone who has a 100-inch screen and as as his main TV. So what do you uh, mean by smaller and what do you mean by large? Well, and that's that's the thing. So so the sc- average screen sizes have been going up over the years. Sure. And the the growth is in the biggest sizes. So those 65-inch, 75-inch TVs, the number of those being sold each year is growing up bigger than the rest of the market. But it's still a small part of the market yeah. that most people are still buying TVs in that 50-something range. But again, it's kind of inching its way up because uh, 10 years ago it was a 50 inch and now i'm not sure the exact numbers but now yes as you're seeing there's 55 inches there's not as many 50 inches so so it's yeah. it's inching its way up the, the problem is is that a 75 inch tv is huge yes it, it, is. It, it dominates any room that you put it in that's all you see is that huge tv and that's why i always said that i wasn't sure if they would really take off because it's just this massive black like thing on your wall when it's not on whereas a projector the screen is almost always white it kind of blends in or you can have a retractable screen or whatever so it it doesn't dominate the space like a tv does and and i've reviewed uh it when uh, sharp first came out with their 85 inch i reviewed it and it just even as someone who had a hundred inch screen right behind it it just it's the tv seemed massive because it is just this thing right so i think most people probably don't want, like they might like the idea of something that size but they might not want that in their house whereas you know at some point hopefully a a paintable oled or something that'll just kind of blend into the wall when it's not on um that i think is what the holy grail would be of tvs is just you you click a button and your wall turns on and that's whatever you want it to be that's a yeah. video game screen or computer or you know a life-size version of alexa but it is so funny because the first time I bought at the time was a 32-inch Sony Vega TV, you know, the last generation of tube TVs. Yeah. And the thing looked massive. I mean, it was yeah, massive. It was. <laughs> it, was de- it was bigger. De- it was deeper than it was, uh, you know, tall in the front. Um, but when I got like about a 40-inch, it's like, oh, my God, this thing's ridiculously yeah. huge. Um, the last TV that I had before I switched to projection was a 38-inch RCA, uh, a beautiful TV. They were 230 pounds, I think. I mean, I was like right. six inches because the, the glass was so huge yes. that the, the middle of it was, I think, three or four inches deep. I mean, maybe not, but it was it seemed like it. And the funny thing is I, I've met a number of people over the years who owned that television and every single one of them died in the exact amount of time that, that mine died oh. in the exact same way. And it was because they used this cheap power supply on a much larger screen because you don't think about like 38 inches significantly larger than 36 um (laughs) and they all the power supply went on all of them and it just wasn't worth repairing so there's just rotting hulks of 38 inch crts and dump and dumpsters everywhere but there is a number that we is too large for a room but boy your perceptions definitely changes over time but on that note we gotta take a break you're listening pop tech radio we are coming right back with jeff Don't wait for Black Friday to get a great deal. Just head to the Dodge Black Friday sales event to get Employee Pricing Plus all month long. That means it's easier than ever to get a new Dodge Durango, the performance-driven SUV with available all-wheel drive. Whether you're rolling out with friends or family, Durango's seven-passenger seating capacity means there's room for everyone. 
Employee Pricing Plus is here all November long at the Dodge Black Friday sales event. Offers available on the purchase or lease of a new 2019 Dodge vehicle, excluding Charger and Challenger. Customer responsible for $200 administration fee. Must take retail delivery by 12219. See dealer for details. Pop Tech Radio coming back at you. Mike Etchart, Jeff Morrison, the tech and travel writer for CNET and the New York Times. You know, Jeff, uh, on the break, we were talking about a new 360 camera, 360-degree camera from GoPro. GoPro is still around. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. They did a uh, 360 camera a little over a year ago called the Fusion, and it was it was terrible. It did not work right. It was impossible to use. Created a beautiful picture, but it was just very difficult to use. So I was uh, very skeptical when they announced the new one, but they did a really good job. It's uh, the Max. It's 500 bucks. Um, it's smaller, and it actually works kind of the way you'd want it to. You can actually download the stuff to your phone. The app is fantastic. You kind of create really cool videos with it very quickly. It's got six microphones on it, so it's actually one of the first 360 cameras. It's got good audio built in. Oh. Um, and then on top of that, so a normal 360 camera, you kind of create this photosphere. It's recording everything around the camera at all, at all times. Um, and so then you can kind of edit that down to show only the interesting parts or the whole thing. But most people don't do that. Most people just show like use it as a, a camera on a gimbal kind of thing and then just shoot everything, figure out what you want to show later. And past that, you can set it to only use one of the cameras, either the forward-facing camera if you're doing action-y stuff or the back-facing camera if you want to do like blogging stuff, talk to the camera. And you can kind of do that with other 360 cameras, but this makes it a little bit easier, a little bit faster. They did a really good job with it. There's a few aspects to it that I'm hoping they're going to fix and that are still kind of some bugs but it's pretty good, and um, so I'm, I'm working on the wire cutter 360 camera guide right now, and um, this will be one of the picks, I think. The main pick is still going to be the Insta360 One X, which is $100 cheaper and does a few things better, a few things not quite as good. Or like it's, They're both very similar for a lot of people, but as far as kind of – they're both good – and a feature from one of the other one kind of draws your attention, then that's the one that you should go with because they're both good. And what are we talking price-wise for the new Max? Uh, it's 500 Okay. But it also works kind of as a GoPro Hero, like right. the, reg- the regular GoPro. It doesn't do 4K 2D video. It does 5.2K you know, 360 sphere video. But when you cut that down to um, standard 16 by 9 size, it's obviously lower resolution. So you get 1080p out of it. So if you need just really high quality standard video than a regular GoPro is better. But if you just want to make some cool videos and the stabilization on this thing is amazing and um, you can do all sorts of cool editing tricks with it, it looks very cool as long as you're okay with it being basically just 1080p. seems like in days gone by, a product like this would have been held over to be released or talked about at CES. Yeah, that's annoying me a lot right now because there is a new camera from this other company that looks really promising. They're all releasing it now. I need to update this article, and every time I start writing it, some new camera comes out. Right. Well, yeah. now I'm going to have to wait another week to get it, and all of a sudden now I'm looking at I can't update this guide. I can't do my job until December. 
how are people supposed to say, oh, I want to buy something for Christmas. Yeah. But there's no reviews of it or there's no, no in-depth reviews of any of this stuff, which I almost think maybe these companies are doing that intentionally, that they're just like, okay, we don't want a slate of reviews that, that people can find that say that's not a good sure. camera. So we're just going to say, oh, we'll dump it right before Christmas and then minimize the amount of bad press. Now, and I'm not saying that GoPro or anybody else is doing that. But that's certainly you could look at it <laughs> that way. When, it. when these companies are releasing stuff the first week of December, I was like, "Come on, what are you doing? Either yeah. wait a week and announce it at CES, or this needs to come out three months ago so people can actually play with it." But I don't know. That's just my own little rant. Well, but it's interesting, you know. For years and years and years, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas in January, early January, was where you did all of this stuff, but not so much. Yeah. And it just seems like it's getting less and less. Well, especially for some – well, GoPro could have done it. But some of these other companies, uh, like Insta360 is, a, is an example, where they're, they're a small company with a very niche product. Well, they're going to get swamped with all of the other big company releases coming out in, in CES. So you know, they might get coverage from the specialized press that covers, let's say, 360 cameras, but not the wider press. Like if you re- release something in July or where there's not a lot going on, yeah. the chances are you're going to get far more mainstream press coverage because tech writers need stuff to write about and – Oh, hey, this email just showed up for this weird camera. Okay, I'll write about that today. You know, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, this time of year, they're going to get swamped with everyone writing, should you buy a TV at Black Friday? You know, that kind of stuff. Yes, exactly. Well, on that note, we got to wrap it up. Jeff, I do want to thank you for coming on the show. Always fun. Always fun. But then, of course, we'll do a big sit down in Vegas. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we will. Woohoo, in our expensive hotel rooms. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for listening in today. Don't forget, folks, we are podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. And a big shout-out of thanks to Radio America. They are the company that syndicates us and broadcasts us to all the great uh, terrestrial radio stations across the country. Big thanks to Mike Paradiso and Jenny Titus, all those groovy cats up there. Big thanks to Cody Castleberry, my producer, engineer, man about town. He is the groovy cat. Without him, it wouldn't happen. So thanks for listening in, folks. We will see you next time on Pop Tech Radio. If you're driven by an adventurous heart, you're in luck. The Subaru Outback is all new for 2020. It'll take you as far as you want to explore with standard symmetrical all-wheel drive plus up to 33 miles per gallon. It'll take you off the beaten path with 8.7 inches of ground clearance plus standard X mode with hill descent control. Welcome to the all-new best Outback ever, the 2020 Subaru Outback. Go where love takes you. EPA estimated highway fuel economy for the 2020 Subaru Outback non-turbo models. Actual mileage may vary.